listening to the Getting Smart Podcast, where we unpack what is new and innovative in education. I'm your host, Jessica, and today we're listening in to a conversation with Dr. Susan Bell, superintendent of Windsor Locks Public Schools, a Connecticut district that's moving to mastery-based learning, where students are showing what they know and progressing when they demonstrate mastery. Next month, Dr. Bell will be joining the Mastery Transcript Consortium to help schools and districts adopt new competency-based transcripts that help learners better communicate their capabilities and accomplishments. Let's listen in. Dr. Susan Bell, welcome to the Getting Smart Podcast. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. You're superintendent in Windsor Locks, Connecticut. Um, It looks like a picturesque uh, place on the Connecticut River. It is. It is a a great little town. Um, it houses. It's home to our airport in Connecticut, the right. international when you, airport. When you fly into Bradley, you're actually in Windsor Locks, right? Right. Hartford gets the credit, but we we have the space. Are there still locks on the Connecticut River? There are. Um, who lives in Windsor? Who lives in Windsor or Windsor Locks? Because there Windsor are there Locks. is a difference. Right. Well, <laughs> Windsor Locks about your community. Windsor Locks has a very proud tradition of longevity of families in Windsor Locks, and um, you know, back at the turn of the century, there were certainly a lot of people coming into town. Um, you know, immigrants, particularly Irish, Italian. Um, and and now, um, you know, it really is, a, it's a working class, a very proud community. Um, lots of diversity here, which is great. That's grown in the last um, probably 20 years. Um, and, you know, we have, we have all different walks of life in Windsor Locks. We have um, some really strong uh, communities from, uh, you know, families who've come to the town from India, from um, some of the Middle Eastern countries, um, as well as, um, you know, from from other countries as well. But in particular, we have a pretty um, high population of um, Indian Americans as well as um, folks from the Middle East. And it's a one high school district where you can get stuff done relatively fast. Absolutely, and that's the beauty of this this small district with uh, with just under just around seventeen hundred students total that we service and serve. We uh, we definitely can do a lot of work across the district. Uh, Susie, as most people call you, you um, you grew up and went to college in Western Massachusetts, right? I did. I did. I grew up in the little town of Stockbridge, which is known for its uh, connections with Norman Rockwell and its obviously pristine natural beauty uh, in the Berkshire, settled in the Berkshire Hills. You're, you're actually pretty close to Albany, New York there, right? That's right. A lot of people who live around there um, did commute often to, uh, out to uh, Albany, New York, as my father did um, for many years. So it's a um, it's a pretty uh, progressive little area. Um, I went to high school in the regional school, regional high school, Monument Mountain Regional High School, and went to uh, college up at uh, what used to be called North Adams State College, is now uh, Massachusetts College of Liberal Arts, a, a nice small uh, uh, college. I was just there for my twentieth reunion, as a matter of fact. And did you go with the intention of being a teacher? 
I went, yes, with the intention of being a teacher. It's known as a, is one of the best uh, teaching colleges in the state of Massachusetts. Um, I didn't quite finish all my uh, requirements prior to uh, getting my bachelor's degree. So I went back. Um, but I realized I kind of wanted to move on and, and do something in school counselor education. I was also an admissions counselor at the college for a couple of years after I graduated. So when you started in Windsor Lock, you started, uh, that was see, around 2001, and you started as a, as a counselor, right? Yeah, school counselor. That's right. That's probably a terrific place for an administrator to start. I can't tell you how much the skills of being a counselor have helped me in right. developing my growth as a, as a leader. It's basically a counseling job. Right? It is. You spend a lot of time. Uh, I, I, a lot of my time was working with adults, you know, even though I work with kids, but it's counseling adults and, you know, seeing connections and systems and how they work. And that's that's really what my, um, my professional preparation was all about in school counselor education. And um, I really had an opportunity to do some great things in the capacity of, of school counselor, from supporting teachers to supporting administration, and then seeing that opportunity for different leadership um, um, opportunities kind of kind of come through. So it was it was definitely a good start for leadership. So Hartford's only about a dozen miles away, and you you went to University of Hartford for your PhD. What what did you study there? I studied educational leadership, and, um, and what it was, was your dissertation on. My dissertation was um, measuring the um, efficacy of assistant principals for being prepared to execute the leadership responsibilities of the principal. <laughs> Did you decide not very? <laughs> well, that's part of the problem is right. when leadership is so centralized to one person, especially instructional leadership, it's hard for the next generation of leaders to right. really assume those and, and grow those um, those key leadership competencies um, to lead an instructional environment. Well, as a sector, we've just done a, historically done a terrible job on talent development. You know, a teacher raises their hand and says uh, they get a credential and they want to be a principal. So we make them an AP and we give them discipline or something (laughs) like that to do. And then Shazam, they're a principal and they've never really had any leadership experience. They've never had any, uh, you know, community development experience. And so most people just haven't had a a terribly rich pathway to the principalship and it's enormously difficult job. So it is, it is. And I I think that's, that's the key is that there's really been little um, attention paid to, to, developing the competencies that will allow a leader, the next level of leader to imagine the vision of the, you know, of what they're trying to accomplish and then work the systems to put them all in the right place and use people in a way that will, will get to that goal. It's really, it's really difficult to do it if you haven't done it before. My goal was really in my principalship when I was principal of Windsor Locks High School in two th- when I started in 2006 was to um, empower my assistant principals to take on more of that, that work, um, being, you know, really challenging them with being in classrooms more and doing a lot of instructional coaching um, that they, you know, they might not have been accustomed to, but certainly uh, needed the exposure to if they were, you know, planning to go to the next level. 
So Windsor Locks has uh, some really nicely stated goals. At the at the high level, you say that you want all students to be engaged, empowered, and expected to achieve. Yes. Uh, where where did those come from? Those came from uh, work that we did over a, a you know probably a, a one year period where we were developing a, a long range plan back in two thousand eleven, and the idea was that if if we're going to get students to be prepared for the twenty first century, then they need to take ownership in their learning, and and not just take ownership in the traditional sense of they need to be responsible for their learning and they need to show up and they need to you know do what's expected of them, but they actually need to have a very pivotal role in directing their learning. If students have that, then they they understand their own then capacity to do and and execute the things that they want to achieve in their lives. And that's why mastery based learning, which is our, our our method to get to getting to that goal, has really been the the focus because we believe putting the power in the child's hands to be a self-directed learner, to learn how to collaborate with others, to fail, but have that failure mean something entirely different than a, than a, you know, autopsy on a transcript, you know, that you failed this class in, you know, 2015, that failure is part of a learning process. That's what we're really all about. You can become very empowered knowing, you know, the, the things that you're, you're already good at and the things that you need work on. But you internally have to know that. A teacher knowing that about you as a student and the student not having the, the capacity to really understand how to help themselves, that's, that's, that's not going to prepare them for a world that really requires them to think outside the box, which is what we're trying to accomplish. Uh, Susie, you have um, Windsor Locks also has a, a nicely developed, I would call it a graduate profile that you want graduates to be informed thinkers, self-directed learners, collaborative workers, uh, clear and effective communicators, and responsible citizens. Was that also developed in 2011 or more recently? That was de- that was also developed in 2011. It's been um, clarified and retooled um, recently by our um, high school staff, but was was originally um, developed in a way that um, really did involve all of the teachers, staff, stakeholders here in. Windsor Locks. So it's just been, like I said, retooled to be um, actualized or operationalized, I guess I should say, um, to be able to be measured. And so um, we have what's what we can we call scoring criteria to be able to measure a student's achievement of those um, those competencies. Uh, Susie, you are, um, as you mentioned, you're working hard to be a mastery based district and uh, you you told me recently that you your first graduating class will be in in 2020 graduating under this new mastery based system uh, where did this idea uh, really originate and what what is it you're trying to accomplish the idea originated from the fact that we had a very we had a very low set of expectations here in Windsor Locks prior to 2011. Um, you know, we all had to in Connecticut use standardized test scores as part of our graduation criteria. 
we made a conscious choice or the district made a conscious choice back in 2002 to lower that bar for students. Not saying that uh, test scores are the end all be all. I certainly don't see them as the end all be all, but um, we had a history of low expectations. We wanted to raise those expectations and we believed that, you know, looking from a standpoint of mastery of skills was really the, the way in which we could provide our students with, you know, a set of, of skills, their, their tool belt that they could take with them anywhere um, that they could use in any sort of situation. So um, it was really started from this nugget of an idea that our, our leadership team at the time developed with, with in, in concert with our previous superintendent, Wayne Sweeney, who said, you know, it's, it's not about time. It's about, it's about learning. So if we get rid of the time notion that time, you know, 180 days, if you don't learn it, you failed. If we think about, you're going to learn it, you're going to take the time that you need and we're going to personalize, but you're going to learn it to the level of mastery. And that mastery level is really, you know, if you want to equate it to a letter grade system, it's you're either getting an A or a B or you're not yet. And not yet means you still have time. We're still going to give you the time that you need to master the skills. It's not about finishing a set of tasks. It's about mastering a, a, a set of skills that um, will propel you into the future. So that's really where this started from. Um, we wanted to change the trajectory of low expectations to one of high expectations supported by the notion that there are many variables that, that play into a student's success. We're going to work with those variables and, and tweak them in a personalized way to help the students attain mastery. As you've, you've outlined, you're trying to become more competency-based and more student-centered, and you're trying to do these impossible things simultaneously. <laughs> so, <laughs> this is challenging, right? It's very challenging. There is no question about it. Um, anybody who, you know, I've, I've heard people say sort of sound bites, you know, we want to do mastery based learning, we want to do personalized learning, you really have to know what you're trying to accomplish first and why. I think that's that's your key is like, why are we doing what we're doing? And and to be honest with you, we're in the place where we're still grappling with our why. What's our next version of why? Um, so that we can continue to support our teachers and the work that you're doing is good work. The next evolution of this process has to be, you know, focused on this area because this is why. So, you know, it's 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 not for the faint of heart. It's not for the unwilling. Um, it is, it's definitely not for a system that is so accountability focused that they can't see the innovation side of things. Um, we've been fortunate to have a lot of early adopters in our district who, you know, who created what then were pockets of innovation and pockets of, 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 um, forward movement. And now we're at the point where we have schools of forward movement and, and that coherence and consistency has happened because we've invested time and energy in our staff. We've invested professional learning dollars. We've invested in the, the capacity building of our leaders and they're, 
the the majority, and I have to say majority because everybody, you know, not everybody is so super excited about mastery-based learning or personalized learning for that matter, because it's different and it's a change and it's hard. That's, that's hard for people to, to manage. But the fact that the majority of our folks are like, this is what we do um, is, is a pretty amazing accomplishment um, despite the very challenging situation of retooling a plane while it's being flown. Did you start in uh, K-8 and is that where the, you saw most progress initially? Right. In 2013, we made the decision um, to move our middle school to a mastery-based approach. And that was because we had standards-based grading itself had been happening in our elementary schools. We still had to work on mastery-based learning in our elementary schools, but from the standpoint of understanding that, you know, transitioning to sixth grade with a mastery-based grading approach, which is a growth-oriented, a preponderance of evidence, you're looking for growth over time in skill building for students, it was the, it made the most sense. Um, so the, that was that first entering sixth grade class that year was the class of 2020. And so we've moved it up with that class and every class beyond them. So currently our sophomores are the first, um, our current sophomores are, are the first class that will receive a diploma that's based on their um, attainment of a mastery of a set of skills and competencies. How has this work helped you reimagine high school? Um, what's interesting is that the conversations that were very at first mechanical about how do we do these grades? How do we measure growth? How are we going to do this efficiently, but effectively as well? Because we don't want to, you know, shortchange our kids, obviously. Um, that has, has turned into conversations where teachers come to the principal and say, I've got a kid who's already mastered. Where do we go next? And it's, you know, December. Where do I go next? What do I, what do I do? Like, and, and the conversations are now around, well, is this time mechanism of courses really necessary? How about we stop and think about an individualized plan for this student for the next few months, for the next two years, for, you know, the different, the different opportunities that are available. We now have, um, we've brought in this, this concept of extended learning opportunities where students can go out, they have to make a proposal and say, this is what I want to learn about out in the world. And this is how I'm going to do it. And these are the people I'm going to contact. And they need to then do the work or go out and, and then come back and defend how they met the standards that they propose to master through that experience. Um, lots of different ways. We, we have an advisory program that I know a lot of people have, but our advisory program is very much tailored to the personalization for the student. So students can get interventions during the day if they're, if they're you know, maybe running short on mastering some standards. How do we get them the, the intervention and support that they truly need to um, make progress in mastering those standards? Um, I have departments talking to one another that never did before. Um, and they're, they're 
they're collaborating on different projects. They're saying, my content isn't as important as your content. Maybe they can just prove that that standard in social studies versus English. Um, so I know those seem probably minuscule on the surface, but when you're talking about transforming a system that's been the same for you know over a hundred years, it's pretty monumental that those barriers are being broken down. The idea that multiple ways of assessing a student are are thought of by teachers in different subject areas is brand new and that the students actually have the opportunity to design how they want to explore something. Um, it, it really has shifted to providing the students with more of a voice and direction in their own learning that I think we've never, I don't think we've thought of necessarily as being effective in education when in fact, if students own it, I go back to my earlier statement, if students have ownership and if they know that they're part of the process and a big part of the process, you're probably going to have a better outcome for them in general. So um, my administrators are thinking about things differently. My teachers are thinking about things differently. My kids are thinking about things differently. Some parents are thinking about things differently. Some parents are really struggling. And that's, you know, that's one of the areas that's been a big challenge. Who's helping you do this work, Susie? Um, we've had incredible support in the past from the Great Schools Partnership. Um, we have a consultant who comes and works with us on the on the minute, fine details of, you know, when you are measuring a student's mastery of standards, what's the tried and true scoring criteria that you all can agree on um, in a particular discipline or across disciplines um, that, you know, students have to master and, and the different performance levels within that. So, you know, where once we used to rely on task-oriented rubrics, we're now really focused on conceptual and skill-based scoring criteria that gets at the root of what are we really looking for the student to demonstrate not what this task will allow them to demonstrate, but what the what the demonstration needs to be in terms of the standard. So um, they've, they've been instrumental in that process. They've also been instrumental in supporting us at a district level um, in working through the innovations that we're, you know, trying to um, put in place. I've been lucky to have extra access to great schools through the New England Secondary Schools Consortium. I've, I'm a um, council member for Connecticut. So that has been a, a great source of um, support for us. Um, the Connecticut Association of Public School Superintendents was, was definitely a, a great resource to us. Um, we've also had um, a lot of support financially through the different grant opportunities we've looked at. Um, we were fortunate enough to receive uh, grant funding through the Hartford Foundation for Public Giving um, for the extended learning opportunities and pathways work that we've been developing. So over the course of the last year, we've actually had a Pathways and Partnerships Advisory Board. Um, and those, those individuals, students, parents, teachers, community members, partners, have actually developed three distinct pathways that our students can take advantage of um, in their coursework and in their 
high school trajectory that will allow them to concentrate in a particular area if they choose to. So there's been a, a great deal of support. I've also been supported by the Connecticut Center for School Change. They've been a technical partner um, in Connecticut. Nellie May has been a huge uh, support with our community engagement work. Um, for We received a three-year grant through them, and we received um, technical support through Everyday Democracy and Great Schools Partnership uh, combined. I think I've any, gotten everybody in that list. Any school districts that were inspirational? Um, you know, uh, there was a, there's a district out in California. Um, I believe, uh, Virgil Hammonds worked there. Um, gosh, I can't remember. Yes. Lindsay. Yeah. I was just there last week. It, uh, that is definitely inspirational. Yes. Yes. And they, they, uh, came and presented to us in Connecticut, um, a, a couple of years back. Um, some of the districts up in Maine and New Hampshire in particular, um, I when it, I think it's Winnicunit in um, in New Hampshire. They one of those schools that I can't think of the exact schools, but definitely some schools up in New Hampshire that have those uh, extended learning opportunity programs well underway. They were they were great. The resources they provided us were were outstanding. Um, and uh, obviously, high tech high and the most likely to succeed, you know, documentary that that came forward. They're they're an inspiration to all of us. Now, they aren't necessarily like standards based, but the but the whole notion of really students driving the 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 bus, so to speak, and then and then the performance demonstrations really are exactly you know, the kind of work that we want to engage our kids in, authentic learning experiences that they can share with the world. So Susie, you're gracious to mention all of those people, but I'm talking to you because you you have really led the way in this. And there's got to be a lot of days where it feels like you are out front on your own. That's a really good point, and it sure does. Um, <laughs> because, you know, Lindsay is in California, right. and New Hampshire's about four hours away, and um, High Tech High is in San Diego, which, you know, all of us would love to be there. But, um, yes, it does. Um, Connecticut is definitely kind of steeped in, in tradition. We have a very supportive uh, commissioner of education who, at the drop of a hat, if I call her in and need her to do some PR for me, she definitely does it. But um, it, it's been tough in Connecticut. Uh, to, to do this work. And I have colleagues who will say to me, once you get it right, we're going to, we're going to jump in or they're at various stages of, of learning. And there's, there's some great districts in Connecticut that are making the shifts, but it's a slow process and, and, and it's a change process, which some people do have difficulty sometimes believing that, you know, the change will ultimately, you know, result in success for our kids. We are seeing some initial indicators that that are showing success for our kids. Just the the classroom itself and the way kids are learning is definitely changed for the better. And and most not all parents would say that. Um, But it's still, you know, we get a lot of questions of why are you doing this and why are you doing it by yourself? Well, it feels like uh, the work is deep enough uh, and and wide enough that uh, it's going to be successful long-term, even if you go do something else. And we (laughs) recently learned, uh, Susie, that you're going to be joining the uh, Mastery Transcript Consortium that you'll be leaving Windsor Locks and uh, joining MTC in July. 
Yes, I am. And, and while it's a, it's definitely, um, you know, bittersweet because I, I've been in the district here in Windsor Locks for 17 years. I'm thrilled to be able to support Windsor Locks in a different way. Um, we've had a we've had a relationship with the MTC since their early days uh, back last uh, summer. Um, I joined the Transcript Advisory Council when we we first uh, met as a as a small group up in. Um, at Phillips Andover Academy, where uh, Trish Russell, who is the chief academic or chief education officer for the MTC, you know, we 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 got talking about you know the the like paths that MTC and Hawkins School, Scott Looney, who founded the MTC, you know, we got talking about the parallel paths and the parallel vision, and um, this opportunity came along recently to be the director of member schools engagement. And with the MTC opening up uh, membership to public schools starting on July 1st, it was really like a no-brainer for me to get involved in this movement to have even a deeper impact on across the country. Um, so I'm excited, but again, um, you know, obviously sad to leave my district, but the cohesive um, group and the and the cohesion in our our vision, um, I know will lead um, my fantastic team of administrators and my amazing teachers to to continue the work. Um, it will not go away. Uh, Susie, let's let's wrap with a, a 60 second um, uh, description of of why a new transcript is important. what what is so important about the work that MTC is trying to do that um, would draw you away from the important work you've been doing in Windsor Locks? Okay. So that's a two-pronged answer for me. First, our kids are much more than a set of courses and grades and a GPA. They have, they have lots of content and um, character that they need to be able to share that the cookie cutter admissions process should not dictate anymore. It should really be the students able to put their best foot forward. That digital transcript opportunity really provides that. The second reason is that you it will prompt a significant need for change in how kids learn. Right now, they're learning to game a system. And that's not because they're bad kids. It's because that's the expectation that the admissions offices have and that has transferred to parents and schools. And there's immense pressure to follow that game according to the plan versus let's look at you as a learner. Let's look at you as a self-directed worker and contributor to, to the larger society. How can you show that and demonstrate that? How can we start to break down the architecture of what is the you know, very surface level um, admissions process at colleges and look at what professors really want, which are deep, thoughtful thinkers who can make differences happen in the lives of everyone across our nation. Dr. Susan Bell, um, we really appreciate your work in Windsor Locks. Um, congratulations on 17 great years in the district. You, you've done work that is nationally important. Um, many of us appreciate it. And we look forward to 
uh, tracking your progress at the Mastery Transcript Consortium. Thanks for being on the Getting Smart podcast. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. A big thanks to Dr. Bell for taking time to talk with Tom. To learn more about another Connecticut superintendent doing great things for kids and teachers, listen in to Season 3, Episode 16, featuring Mark Benini. Don't worry, we have it linked in the show notes and on our blog at gettingsmart.com. If there's something you've been wanting to learn more about, feel free to send us your podcast topics and ideas. Just shoot an email to editor at gettingsmart.com and put podcasts in the subject line. We'll be sure to add them to our list. And if you haven't already, check out the Getting Smart podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, subscribe and rate us. That's all we have for you today. For the Getting Smart podcast, this is Jessica signing off.